We're launching today a new series of messages over the next number of weeks, and it is called Emmanuel Go. Now, if you are a owner of Pokemon Go or know the owner of Pokemon Go, we are not purposely trying to do any kind of copyright infringement, but uh, didn't our main man Rick do a great job on that screen? Come on, encourage Rick. Man, that looks great. We're launching a series called Emmanuel Go, and we have prayed about as a team, and we've designated August as Missions Month. We have a really exciting month laid out for you in August. There's going to be so many great things. We want to practice what we preach. We don't want to just preach all these great things from the Bible. We want to actually help you walk them out. So in this month of going, we're going to be um, doing an initiative where we actually meet our neighbors. We're going to be doing an initiative where we launch life groups all in this month. We're going to be having a baptism, the very last service. Isn't that great? We're going to be baptizing folks. This is all a part of Go. And we have a purpose, Jared, if you'd pull up our purpose. The purpose of this month really is this. We want every member to be actively engaged on three levels, not just in the month of August, but we want to revolutionize your life. We want to make you the solution to the problem. We want to help equip you to be the solution. We, we know that we're called to go, and in a minute we'll look at that scripture. But our purpose is really this, for every member to be actively engaged. Somebody say active. active. Somebody actively say active. active. Say active like you've had the cupcakes already that we're going to have at the end of the service for Sherelle. We have a bunch of cupcakes. So say active like you've already had two or three of those cupcakes, praise God. We want every member actively engaged in God's Great Commission. This is the subtitle of the message because it's the Great Commission, not the Great Suggestion. It's not the Great Suggestion. It's the Great Commission. And we're going to be sharing about that. Look at this screen, Jared, that outlines, I think it's Mark chapter 16, verse 17. It's one of the slides there. All authority in heaven and earth, and this is also found in Matthew 28. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. Now I'm turning around and I'm sending you. I'm giving you that authority. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations. Hey, we're sending a disciple back to Trinidad. We're starting to see God do this, even in our church. Go and make disciples of all nations. That means all people groups. That means we must be a church that reaches all, even social economic groups, all cultures. We want to be a church that reaches everyone. We want to go to all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So on August 28th, we're having a baptism to celebrate the mission of go, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. What a promise from our Father. So we are called to go. The Bible says, go ye, not stay ye. Look at your neighbor and say, go ye. Now, some people think Yi is the little Chinese guy that owns the laundromat, but that is not. Yi is me, okay? Look at your neighbor and say, Yi is me. Go ye into all the world. Because it is the Great Commission. Did y'all, y'all are just now getting that. Some of y'all are just now getting that. See, you should come to this church just for the humor, just to laugh at me. You should come to this church. But Emmanuel Go has been stirring in our heart for a while. We want to have each month, starting in August, each week, we're going to have an emphasis where we outline and share with you a missions project that is going on. And then the very, very last Sunday of the month, when we, in connection with our baptism, we're going to be receiving a special offering for Calcutta, India. Many of you have made pledges for Calcutta. And we're going to give you a chance to commit and uh, recommit and fulfill some of those pledges. But this month is not just about 
finances. That Notice it is one of three, but this is three parts. We want you actively involved in praying, going, and giving. Praying, going, and giving. Would you say that with me? Praying, going, and giving. That's really the heart of God. Now let's just jump into this. We're going to cover a little bit of ground today. And then as a part of this whole presentation, uh, Rick Mills is getting ready to go to Peru on a mission trip. And we've asked him to share for just a few minutes about what he's doing. He's one of us, and we're going to be praying over him and investing in him. And so we're going to help him and send him out and bless him. And he, He's going to know that our church is praying for him. How many of you know when you go to another country, you need a prayer covering? Yeah. Rick, you leave on Tuesday, is that right? You fly out, I think, the same day. Maybe Sherelle does. So we want to cover these guys in prayer. When, when Rick goes in, when he's ministering, he's sharing, he's going, and a part of us is going because we're praying with him and going to invest in him and sow into him and help him. And so we're, we're tying this all in this month. So let's look at Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27. I love this. I love it. I love it. It's such a great message. Above all, somebody say above all. Demeaning the things in this passage are not just a suggestion. They're not just optional. This, this is not on the back burner. When the church has a vision of what we want to do and what we want to accomplish, this can't be on down the line. This has to be above all. Above all means above all. And it says this, you must live as citizens of heaven. One of the best ways to share your faith is to actually live like you actually believe the Bible. Can I have an amen? If Christians would just live and act like Christians, I believe the world would be a much better place. The reason so many people don't want to turn to the Lord is because of hypocrisy. Now they use that as an excuse. I don't want to go to that church because they're all hypocrites. How many of you ever went to church with a hypocrite? Anybody? How many of you are sitting beside one right now? <laughs> Don't raise your hand, Bob. That's not a good time to raise your hand. We've all met hypocrite. That's from the Greek word, uh, the Greek uh, theater word, meaning two-faced, literally, in the, the two-faced. You live one way at home, and you live one way somewhere else. Listen, I'm not going to let a hypocrite or two keep me out of a really great church. Can I have an amen? But it says, live as citizens of heaven. If we're going to go in all the world, make disciples, we've got to take this seriously and live as citizens of heaven. So thankful for my dear friend Matthew. I don't want to single him out. Uh, just for the sake of it, but he is always, when I read Live as a Citizen of Heaven, I think of Matthew. He's always serving and always loving and always giving, and he's, he's very heavenly minded. Now, I've met some people that are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. You know what I'm talking about? Don't be so spiritual that you're spooky, but you can be, you can be heavenly minded and still be earthly good, and so we got to live. Let's just live who we are, my, uh, we used to have a little dog, and I didn't have to teach that dog how to be a dog. I didn't have to teach that dog how to chew toys that were important to my kids. I didn't have to teach that dog how to not make it to the bathroom when it's supposed to go outside. It's a dog. Dogs do what dogs do. I did not have to teach that dog, Miss Sarah, when Ava would drop a piece of bacon. Any bacon lovers in the house? When she would drop a piece of bacon and the dog would run over and eat the bacon, I did not have to teach the dog how to do that. You know why? Because the dog was a dog. Christians, if we would just live out what the Holy Spirit is doing on the inside, we would make a world of difference. Let's be real. Let's be genuine. Let's let the, what's on the inside come on the outside. But problem is, too many Christians are full of baloney, and so what's on the inside comes out. Can I have an amen? Let's be full of the Spirit. Now, not you. That's people at the other churches down the road. Not you guys. But let's just live out what God is doing. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 10 says, work, or 2 and verse 12 says, work out your own salvation. Work out your own salvation. Not work for, not work to earn it, but work it out. Once God puts it in, you work it out. 
Look at your neighbor and say, God works it in, and I work it out. That's the whole point of go. Go back to that scripture if you can, my friend. Philippians 1.27. Above all, live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel, worthy of the good news. Then when I come and see you again, or I only hear about you, I will know. What is the mark of a church that is on mission? What is the mark of a church that is doing what God has called them to do? I love what we do. I love our worship team. Isn't the worship team doing incredible? Let's just encourage those guys. Man, they're going to another level. I love hanging out with you guys. I love the coffee. I love the lemonade. I love the snacks. Doesn't our snack team do a great job? We thank God for those guys. Yeah, amen. Kaylee Powers and Miss Mary and Gail, they do such a great job on that. Clap for me. Do something great, and we will clap for you. Amen. I love all that stuff, Miss Susan, but I don't get up at 7 o'clock or 6 o'clock or whatever time I get up, and I don't pull in the parking lot at 7.30 to load stuff and pack up and show up here at the school by 8. I don't do that and stay late till 1 o'clock taking stuff down. I don't do that just because I want to drink lemonade with you, <laughs> okay? I love you, but we could drink lemonade at my house. Man, that's no big deal. We do this because we want to create an atmosphere. We want to create a place for the body of Christ to come to raise disciples, and to be on mission with God. It's, and life groups are so incredible. We're so excited. But life groups must have an element where we reach new people. It can't just be us four and no more. We cannot be happy and satisfied with all the empty seats. I believe that God will give you a building and ask you to fill it. Look around. We are responsible for what we do. Now, I'm not talking overnight. I'm not talking next week. But we must have a heart to always reach people. It's not about nickels. It's not about noses. It's about people. It's about every seat represents a heart. I've seen Jesse grow so much over these last few years. Uh, I don't think, I don't know what kind of church background he had, but he's been here and been plugged in and been faithful. And I've just seen you grow in the Lord and grow in the things of God. Bruce, Bruce doesn't get to come much, but he's been plugged in with uh, our student ministry, Kai Alpha, down on UT. I've seen you grow so much. It's so important to grow and be raised up and be sent out. This is the calling of God. We are not just called to be just a social gathering. We will never be just a social gathering. Do we need friends? Yes. This is the mark of a church that is on mission. Ready? I will know that you are standing side by side. That's a unified church. A church that is divided can't reach a city. People that are divided can't reach a city. We must be cautious because Satan is looking for whom he may devour. And if Bob, if Satan can get Bob mad at David, then Satan has created a wedge in our unity. If Satan can get Sabrina offended at Candy over something that Candy maybe didn't even know she does, but now maybe Sabrina's offended, she's not, aren't you glad? But if God can get Sabrina offended at Candy, I mean, Candy's pretty offensive. We all know how, how she's pretty sharp. I mean, she, but if I'm teasing, obviously, but if God can get a wedge between Sabrina and Candy, he has put a wedge in our unity. He has divided us. Satan will be looking for ways to divide. This scripture says, that we are standing side by side. We are fighting together. This church is fighting together to combat the forces of hell in this community. We're fighting together. We're on the same team. We must not be so inward focused in fighting that we forget. We must, we must fight, but we must fight together. We can't fight with each other. We must fight together. For what? For the faith, which is the good news. So as a church, I want us to rise up. Every one of these songs Pastor Randy has been singing are on purpose. 
Last week we sang about Jesus is worth the price for all the nations. This morning we sang, we will rise up, we will rise up. These aren't just accidental songs. These are songs singing about the mission of what God has called us to do. We will fight together, stand together, because this is the good news. Let me give you an awesome example for just a minute of this in the Bible. Turn to Luke chapter 5. Is this helping anybody anywhere? God is so good. Luke chapter 5, let's just read this story. You guys know this. And then we're just going to hit one point, and then we want Rick to share about his upcoming adventure so we know what to be praying for. We want to be known as a church with a compassionate heart. We want to be known in the morning. We're bringing breakfast to the teachers here at Holston. It's the first day for all the teachers, and your church is providing them Chick-fil-A. Isn't that wonderful? How many of you wish you were a teacher at Holston in the morning? But we're doing that because we want to love the teachers. We want to love the community. We want to be a blessing. We want to be known as the church that cares. If, if the church closed tomorrow, would the community know? Would the, would the community know and realize that, oh, a church is gone? I want to be the church that is known for loving on people and meeting needs and helping and lifting and encouraging. Look at Luke chapter 5. One day Jesus was teaching. Now, if this ever happens to me, I don't know if I'll handle it as quite appropriately as Jesus did. Jesus had, he was locked in, man. He was solid. One day when Jesus was teaching, there were some Pharisees and teachers of religious law sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village and in all Galilee and Judah, as well as from Jerusalem. And, and again, I could get all into that, but th there's unity going on. Jesus is teaching, and the, the religious people show up from everywhere, and they're trying to disrupt what he is doing, the message for the day. Notice this. It says the Lord's power, the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. The Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. That's why we had prayer time this morning, because we believe the power of the Lord is present to heal. We believe God can meet any need that you have. There is nothing off limits for God. There's nothing too hard for God. And we believe that in this church. Now, I put this in my notes. Jesus always draws a crowd. And the Lord spoke to my heart a long time ago, Josh. He said, if you'll preach like Jesus and love like Jesus, you'll reach the crowds like Jesus. If you'll preach like Jesus and love like Jesus, you'll reach the crowds like Jesus. Everywhere Jesus went, he had a full house. When we're walking and going and flowing on point and on mission, the house will be full. People are drawn to the healing power of God. When we're known as the church that if you come in these doors and your life is broken, you leave healed and whole and restored, it will not take long for word to spread. We don't have to pay for advertising when the man in a wheelchair gets up and walks away. We don't have to pay for advertising when marriages are restored. When the power of God is flowing among the people and in our services, People will be drawn. Jesus always spoke to the crowd. He was not satisfied. Jesus went on to say, we'll read later on, but he said, go and compel them to come in. There's a parable there that my house may be full. That's the heart of God. That's the heart of our church. Look at verse 18. If this is good, say, oh, yeah. Now, some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but your Bible says they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So these men come carrying this paralyzed guy on a mat, and they go, well, let's take him to church to get him healed. Let's take him to Jesus. The whole point is they're bringing him to Jesus, but there's so many people, they can't even get in the room. And so notice what these guys did. This is so impressive to me. So they went up to the roof. Somebody raise the roof. Anybody, any roof raisers in the house? Okay, I got one roof raiser over here. Thank you. 
We'll never do that again. Praise God. So they went up to the roof. Notice this. They were carrying the man. So look at verse 19. They went up to the roof because they couldn't reach Jesus. Is it roof or roof? Which one is it? Roof, roof, depending on where you live. It's all of those, yes. So they went to the roof and they took off some tiles. Now, can you imagine this? Let's jump out of our Sunday School 101 here. Jesus is preaching. The Son of God is teaching the lesson. And all of a sudden, he hears a scratching on the roof. This had to be more annoying than cell phones going off. I can just imagine this. He's scratching through the roof, digging, and the guy peeks through and goes, no, 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 not here. Over a little bit, over a little bit. These guys climbed up on the roof, and they began to dig, take off tiles, and open up the roof. And the Bible says here that they lowered the sick man down on his mat into the crowd right in front of Jesus. They were so committed to getting their, uh, the acquaintance they had, this person, they were so committed to getting this person to Jesus, they were willing to do whatever it took. They were willing to go through the roof for this person. And then the Bible goes on to say that, uh, let's look on down at verse um, 20. Seeing their faith, seeing their faith. It doesn't say the paralyzed man had any faith. Seeing their faith. In our community, we're going to run into people that have no faith they're paralyzed by fear, paralyzed by the past, paralyzed by mistakes, paralyzed by the fear of getting laid off on their job, paralyzed by the fear of their spouse leaving them, paralyzed financially, paralyzed from uh, distrust and broken promises. We're going to encounter people in our community, Sabrina, that are paralyzed. We can't just wait for them to have faith. When Jesus saw their faith, he healed the man. He went on and said, your sins are forgiving. And then later on down, he says, you are healed. And the man left better than when he came. This is what happens when we bring people to Jesus. Now, I thought about something, Pastor Michael, on this story. I don't know that this is the case, but I don't know that it's not the case. So just to entertain my imagination for just a few moments. I've, I've heard my whole life that these men took their friend to Jesus. How many of you have heard that? When Jesus saw the friend's faith, how many of you have heard this story? Anybody ever? Is this the first time you've ever heard this passage in the Bible? I've heard my whole life that these were friends and these, these people were willing to take their friend to Jesus and they do whatever it took to get their friend to Jesus. And as I begin to read this passage, I'm not saying the Holy Spirit put this in there. I'm just saying the thought dropped in my head. Why do we say that this is their friend? Where did that come from? How do we know that these guys were friends? I looked in the passages and I could not find anything that gave any personal connection. This didn't say that they were brothers or family. Didn't say that they were friends. They might have been friends. But there's also a chance that these men were so compelled by the condition of this man just because he was human not friend, not family, just because he was human. There is a chance these men had such a heart for people that they helped this man. It says they were men helping a man. I'm not saying they weren't friends. They may have grown up together, but maybe they didn't. Maybe they just saw him for a couple of weeks and they, they, were, they had compassion on someone that wasn't even a part of their family. And they said, we're going to go and bring this man to Jesus because we care about people. And that's got to be our heart as a church. I just want to give you number one today, but I want to give you real quick seven ground rules for going. Seven Ground rules for going, and then we'll pick back up next week. But number one, have a heart for the lost and the hurting. The first ground rule to go 
is to have a heart. You'll see that, Jared. Number one, have a heart for the lost and the hurting. They were concerned. Now, I put this in my notes. The mission of God. Say that with me. The mission of God. The mission of God always starts with love. Do you know when our church is really going to blossom and really begin to have an impact and really begin to reach the community? When we have a heart for the lost and a heart for the hurting and a heart for those that are broken. You see, we kind of live in our little Christian bubble where everybody we know is Christians and our life is good and you know we're making the bills. We may not have a lot of money left over, but we're paying the bills. And, and we may not eat like some people eat, but at least we get to eat and we have some money to go to the grocery store. We have a place over our heads. We really, unless you have really ever been on a mission field or or grew up in a really difficult situation in a difficult community, you really don't have an idea of what the rest of the world goes through. I can't wait to take Ava with me on a trip to let her see some some situations. It's just some folks that are living life, but they don't have what we have. They've not been afforded the opportunities that we have. We must have a heart and compassion for those that are hurting and broken around us. And so that's where this starts. Look at Romans 15, 1 and 2. Somebody say, have a heart. we got to have a heart. Look at this. When we who are strong must be considerate of those who are sensitive about things like this, we must not just please ourselves. We must not just please ourselves. We'll never reach our city until we develop a heart for the lost. It's a biblical mandate and a biblical responsibility given by God for the strong to help the weak. That's why we're doing life groups. That's why we preach and teach the way we do. We want you to be strong because it is our job when we're strong to help the weak. Can I have an amen? Look at 1 Corinthians 10, 24. 1 Corinthians 10, 24 says this, Don't be concerned for your own good, but be concerned for the good of others. Don't just be concerned about you and your family and and what you have going on. We must have concern for others. I heard a preacher, Pastor Randy, one time say this. Salt is no good in the shaker. How many of you have a salt shaker at home? I know a guy that says he's so old. When he was a kid, they just passed around the block of salt, and everybody licked it. That's how old he is. He just passes it around, and they just licked it. But now we have salt. We have salt shakers. How many of you like to salt? My mother is a salt addict. I'm telling you what. She'll put salt on things that doesn't even make sense. It's like, why would you put salt on that? It's like, oh, no. Think of something that you should not put salt on. And my mother probably put salt on it. When I was a kid, I was grounded from the salt shaker. Seriously. Because I had, my vision wasn't great. And I couldn't see the white salt on the mashed potatoes. And I would just shake, 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 shake. So literally, they're like, you can't use the salt shaker. But how many of you know that's what's wrong with me? Too much sodium intake as a child. How many of you know salt in the shaker is no good? It's only effective when you spread it around. Christians are kind of like manure. You know what manure is? You pile it all together and it stinks. But if you spread it around, it'll do a lot of good and it'll help a lot of people. Did you guys like the salt example better? (laughs) Christians are too much like manure. You pile it all together and it stinks. And if we want to stink as a church, let's just pile on the blessings of God and hold everything for ourselves. If we want to stink as a church, let's become inward focused. It's about me and what I like and what I need and what I think and what I want. But it's good when you spread it around. Amen. Somebody say, spread it around. You'll never forget that example, I promise. I stole it from another preacher, so I can't take credit for it. These men cared 
their care led them to an awareness. And their awareness led them to prayer. We're going to talk about that next week. How we develop a heart for the lost. Weren't you blessed by today? Come on, can we give God thanks? Amen.